Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, this is Tom Salemi, and welcome back to the OIS Podcast. On July 30th, 2014, we launched the OIS Podcast. Last week, we began the celebration of our anniversary or birthday. Uh, we began a review of the top 10 podcasts uh, ranked by number of listens. So last week, we started at number 10 and worked our way through number 6. We uh, revisited some interviews with folks like Dick Lindstrom and Bill Link. And this week, we're going to do more of the same. Starting at number five, we'll work our day way down to the number one most listened to podcast. And this, we hope, will uh, give you a, uh, a nice reminder of, uh, of the various insights and the information that we brought you throughout the year on the OIS podcast. And of course, we'll continue to do so next week. Uh, we hope to have an excellent interview lined up with a very hot ophthalmology company CEO. So looking forward to bringing you that conversation. So let's get started on the top five most listened to OIS podcasts. Coming in at number five is Jeff George, CEO of Alcon. Uh, Jeff George had just been on the job for a few months when he delivered an excellent keynote address at our OIS at AAO in Chicago. In the talk, uh, Jeff George discussed his personal interest and experience in ophthalmology, including a struggle with partial, partial rather, vision loss uh, as a child. In his talk, though, uh, George stressed the importance of uh, innovation for big companies. And he suggested that those large companies that don't put resources toward internal R&D won't be around for the long run. And I think finally we believe in a wide array uh, of partnerships. As I, you, know, you see in the second bullet there, uh, we're really agnostic to you know, how we spend the billion dollars a year in R&D that we spend at Alcon. Uh, I'm open to great ideas, whether they be from Google X uh, in our partnership there, uh, acquisitions or internally developed um, uh, organic initiatives, of which we have many. Uh, and I think it's important you know, to, to also think non-traditionally. You know, my initial read on on Google was skepticism, given what I was communicated you know, by uh, the Alcon team based on what we knew. And I said, look, it can't hurt to go out and spend a day out in Palo Alto with Andy Conrad and his team and listen and learn and understand you know, what they do. And you know, that conversation pretty quickly after I saw that they had 100 patents plus you know, applications filed in the glucose sensing lens and 57 at the time in the accommodating lens technology, um, that you know you need to suspend one needs to suspend disbelief sometimes uh, in order to uh, realize great innovation and some in innovation is incremental and some innovation is breakthrough and I think it's important to have a portfolio of bets so uh, as I think about our innovation at least from an Alcon perspective uh, we want to be driving uh, you know uh, incremental changes uh, that our customers and our surgeons need and at the same time really driving new uh, you know new pharmaceutical compounds, whether it be in areas like glaucoma that haven't seen a lot of breakthrough since, you know, prostaglandins and some of the follow-on combination fixed-dose therapies, uh, or whether it be in truly breakthrough areas such as uh, the work that we're trying to do in diabetes and presbyopia 
uh, with Google. So I think it's really important to have a mix of both internal and external innovation. Um, and I don't believe in, you know, only invented here. And that's why forums like this, I think, are so important, uh, at least for, for my team and me from Alcon. Following Jeff George on the list, our number fourth most listened to OIS podcast is the very first OIS podcast with Jim Mazo. Jim joined us uh, again as our first guest, and uh, we were lucky it, it was him because our early uh, recording technology, as you'll hear, uh, wasn't the best. So we were fortunate to have someone like Jim who could project his voice uh, through a brick wall if he needed to. So let's listen in to what Jim Mazo, CEO of AccuFocus, and of course, uh, OIS moderator extraordinaire, uh, had to say about innovation in ophthalmology. Jim, going back to our conversation about startups, uh, do you have any thoughts on whether the medtech investment model itself is broken or how it needs to change? Yeah, you know, I, I do. I, I think that's what's changed. And, you know, I don't know if it's the times. I think, you know, 10 years from now when you're talking to somebody different and a lot younger than myself, uh, you're going to have probably questions that say, well, there's this, this difficult time. There's always difficult times, interesting times. I would tell you what needs to be changed is that the investor needs to think of the entity now on a much more global nature than they ever did before, not because mm -hmm. of the regulatory path, but because of the impact. And again, I'm talking about the spaces that I, that I spend time in, ophthalmology, uh, dermatology, aesthetics, cardiology, uh, those areas, where, where you need to think globally because the impact of the of the technology is felt globally because our meetings are global now. No matter where they're based, you don't just see that country being represented. There, it's Everybody's there. Number mm -hmm. two, the journals. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this podcast is going to be heard across the globe. The journals, right. although they're specialized by regions, they're read by everyone. They're emails. Mm -hmm. I, so I think the globalization needs to be understood more. You know, a lot of entities think, well, the utopia is the U.S., and that's great because the market potential is big. I don't disagree. But I would tell you that there's markets that are growing that you can become very successful, but you have to have the mindset of how to get there, and you have to have it goes back to the right people, mm -hmm. and you can't treat every market the same. That's, that's got to be a challenge, and that, I mean, a change, because that's a challenge that I would say most investors don't appreciate. They wait for the outcome to come to the U.S., and then they become disgruntled if it doesn't come to the U.S. as quickly. And, and that could be both by regulatory or the product's not ready or whatever the, the issue is. And number three, we have our second physician in the top ten. Our first was uh, Dick Lindstrom at number six. And it's no surprise that the other physician on our top ten list is Eric Donenfeld. Uh, Eric Donenfeld is a pioneering surgeon. He's a great supporter of innovation and of OIS. And in this interview that we had early on, uh, Dr. Donenfeld shared his insights on how ophthalmology and ophthalmologists are changing with the adoption of new technologies. Uh, Google and Novartis have teamed up to, to work on a contact lens that could, could do some great things in vision and, and healthcare, potentially. Do you, I, I know people on business side are, are looking at this partnership and, and have some thoughts on it. Do you, as a, as a physician, as someone treating patients, do you look that far out and wonder uh, whether you're going to be doing business with Google in five or ten years? 
Um, I have no doubt that there will be some very strange bedfellows in ophthalmology and business. And there's one thing that's quite clear is that the old school single person practice is going to be a dinosaur and that for us to be more efficient, cost effective and productive, we need to find new ways of bringing groups together to provide education, information and outcomes analysis in real-time ways to demonstrate the efficacy of what we do so that I think that the, the practice of the future is going to be incorporating technologies that allow us to provide real-time information uh, to third-party payers, uh, industry, uh, as well as to uh, watchdog uh, groups that want to see what's happening in ophthalmology. And uh, right now we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, and I see a lot of very innovative new companies out there today that are that are looking to innovate in this area, and I think this is, this is going to be good for ophthalmology. It's not going to be what you learned in residency any longer that, mm -hmm. that mandates how you treat patients. We're going to need really good outcomes analysis that looks at data, analyzes our results, and constantly questions what we're doing to make certain that we're providing the best treatment possible to our patients and that the, these treatment outcomes are documented in a substantial way so that we can refine them on, a, on an ongoing basis. Number two on our list is the only guest to appear twice on our top ten, and it's fitting that the honor goes to Emmett Cunningham, founder and co-chair of OIS. Emmett's actually been on the podcast three times, but this snippet comes from his first uh, visit, which was the fourth OIS po podcast overall. In this cut, uh, Emmett explains the origins of OIS. OIS had its birth, I think, six, six or seven years ago now, basically uh, through discussions that I was having with Craig at the time. I had been to a few of the IBF meetings, uh, the medical device meeting, which they hold in Minnesota. I'd been to their sort of flagship venture capital meeting, which is always in the Bay Area. And I've always thought, A, they did a, a great job, and, and B, that it could be a format that would be applicable to ophthalmology and to what I had envisioned, which was trying to bring together investors and strategics and uh, the, the physicians, the thought leaders, because I, I knew from my own experience, having moved out of medicine and into venture, into the business world, that uh, there's a lot of interest in how to build great companies, how to bring products to the market, but really no exposure. And so I knew people would be interested in it. And I knew the people who do that, the, the investors and the strategics, would value the input from the physicians. And so I, from the inception, wanted to bring together those constituents in this meeting. And that's what I think we did uh, differently than just about any other meeting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it was such a huge success. It's nice to get that bit of a history lesson from Emmett Cunningham. And now we are at the moment of truth where we will reveal the number one most listened to OIS podcast. But before we do, let's revisit the podcast that we uh, looked back on or listened back on last week. Number 10th most listened to OIS podcast uh, was a discussion with Tom Frenzy and Robert Warner, uh, both of Alcon at the time. Uh, they discussed Alcon's acquisition of WaveTech and uh, the performance of a clinical study that helped clinch the deal. Number nine, uh, Emmett Cunningham, of course, uh, 
OIS co-chair, as we discussed a few minutes ago, uh, talked about uh, the outlook of ophthalmology in 2015. Number eight, we had a visit with Tim Willis of Dry Eye Company, Tier Science, to discuss that company's push into a very hot space. Number seven, OIS co-chair Bill Link shared Versant's take on ophthalmology and biotech and medical devices at the time Versant was about to close on its latest fund. And number six uh, was a visit with uh, Dick Lindstrom, who, of course, won our Innovators Award at OIS uh, in San Diego. And Dick, uh, like Eric Donenfeld, uh, is a great uh, adopter and great fan of innovation in ophthalmology. And he shared how uh, the adoption of new techniques and new devices is changing uh, how eye care is delivered. So with that review of the entire top 10 list, we'll now focus on the number one most listened to podcast. Let's talk a bit about uh, in focus. Obviously, that's why you're here. Uh, your micro shunt's been uh, used in over 100 patients. You, you presented some great data at OIS in the fall. Uh, you reported some good long-term data. So things uh, seem to be going well. Give us a little bit uh, of background on, on, on the micro shunt, and then uh, let's talk a bit about where you are uh, regulatory-wise. Sure. Well, it's a you know this is a really interesting device made out of a revolutionary material. Um, I think the thing that has really differentiated us so far is, um, as far as we can tell, uh, we're the only device that's been able to produce post-operative IOPs below 14 millimeters of mercury out to three years. Um, and and that's, you know, they, these are patients that started out on full medication, so these were not necessarily the easiest patients to treat. And I think the I think the reason for that success is several fold. We've got a material that's unbelievable. It's it's a it's called styrene block isobutylene block styrene, um, SIBS for short. And our company founder invented this material um, many many years ago. Originally as a coating for the Taxus stent, which um, was the largest medical device launch in the history of medical devices of the product uh, that was launched by Boston Scientific, gosh, you know, more than 10 years ago. Um, and I think the, one of the key success factors for that, for that product was this SIBS material caused the stent to remain patent, to remain open. Um, and that was a key differentiating factor for that technology. And I think it's a key differentiating factor for our technology as well. What's the significance of the 14 number? Is it just that it's that's the lowest available? Is that the lowest available, or, or is there some clinical significance to that number? It's a great question, Tom. And, and actually, the the clinical significance um, from that has been learned from the Aegis study, and uh, the the doctors who performed that study and then analyzed that data um, were able to chart out um, how much visual field loss a patient would experience at a variety of different intraocular pressures. These, of course, are all glaucomatous eyes. And what they determined was that for those patients with glaucoma, on average, if you could get them to below 14 millimeters of mercury, that is the point at which the patient would no longer experience any further degradation of vision. Hmm. So you maintain that number and you, and you maintain their vision. Correct. And that concludes our top 10 
most listened to OIS podcast. Thanks for joining us uh, as we reviewed our first year. And thank you for listening to each and every episode that you've listened to. Uh, I certainly enjoy uh, having the opportunity to speak with ophthalmology's leaders week after week. Uh, I hope you are enjoying the visits as well. If you have any insights and would like to share them, feel free to email me at tom at healthogy.com. And healthogy is spelled H E A L T H E G Y, health with E G Y at the end. And please tune in next week uh, with another tale of innovation. We hope to have a, uh, a really uh, much sought after guest uh, to discuss uh, one of the bigger stories in ophthalmology of late. And uh, hope to have that for you next week. And of course, uh, we would love to see you at OIS at AAO in Las Vegas. Go to OIS.net to find information about registering. And if your company would like to present your story to our OIS community, you can fill out forms there. That will uh, get you in touch with the folks on our side who are making those decisions. Thanks again for listening. And tune in next week for another tale of innovation. And we will see you in Las Vegas in just a few months. OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application.